Good morning. Welcome, Northbrook Church. So glad to see you this morning. Um, we are going to be reading today from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And my name is Tiffany, and this is Pablo. And so you will get to hear the word of God um, spoken over you in Spanish and in English today. Timoteo, es bueno que sepas que en los últimos días habrá tiempos muy difíciles. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Pues la gente sola, solo tendrá amor por sí misma y por su dinero. Serán fanfarrones y orgullosos. Se burlarán de Dios. Serán desobedientes y sus padres y malagradecidos. No consideran nada sagrado, no amarán ni perdonarán, comunarán a otros y no tendrán control propio, serán crueles y, y odiarán lo que es bueno, traicionarán a sus amigos, serán imprudentes, se llenarán de soberbia y amarán el placer en lugar de amar a Dios, actuarán como religiosos por rechazar, rechazar el único poder capaz de hacerlos obedientes a Dios. Alejate de esos clases de individuos. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Pues son de los que se les enseñan para meterse en las casas de otros y ganarse la confianza de mujeres vulnerables que cargan con la culpa del pecado y están dominadas por todo tipo de deseos. For among them, oh, I apologize. <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> Muchas mujeres siempre van detrás de nuevas enseñanzas, pero jamás lograrán entender la verdad. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Estos maestros se oponen a la verdad, tal como Janes y Jambres, se opusieron a Moisés. Tienen la mente depravada y una fe falsa, pero no se saldrán con la suya por mucho tiempo. Algún día todos se darán cuenta de los tontos que son, tal como pasó con Hanes y Jambres. Just as Yanes and Yambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, you can have a seat. Man, it always does my soul so good to just hear the word of God in another language uh, that I don't speak. Um, man. God is so much bigger than that. 
Uh, so, uh, just a couple of things that I want to put before you. Uh, again, uh, welcome to Northbrook. I'm uh, Randy. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, w- one of the things that we uh, are, are doing for Advent is trying to resource us um, so that our, our thoughts uh, about Jesus and about the season don't just stay here or, um, or, or kind of uh, in, in the vague Christmas story, but, but we really want to resource us to kind of uh, capture this season and uh, and and, and really uh, take all that we can from it uh, to, to celebrate the birth of the Savior, uh, that, that Jesus did wrap himself in flesh and come down. And so uh, we've got some Advent guide things for you. So there's, there's two different ones. So if you, uh, maybe you've already grabbed this one, if you uh, check the can, kid in over there, and if not, you can go grab one uh, after that. And this Advent guide uh, is great, man. It just has so many uh, arts and crafts and cutouts and things. Uh, and, and so that's fun. Even if you're not a, a kid, you, maybe you like crafting, you can go do that. Um, and then this Advent liturgy, liturgy guide is, is kind of more for family worship. Um, and so we, we put this together, and um, Alexa did a fantastic job formatting it and all that stuff. And so, uh, man, we put this together. It's, it's got some different things for uh, each Sunday of Advent. Um, so we read, pray, and, and sing. Um, and so it's just, we're, we're just trying to set up, uh, whether it's uh, a family or whether it's roommates together, uh, just getting friends together. We, we really want to kind of, again, use this season to kind of orient our hearts and minds around the Savior. And then uh, there's a Christmas Day at-home liturgy, because just a reminder, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service here uh, at night, but we're not going to be gathering here on Christmas Day, though if you're in town and you uh, would like to, the Ledettes are going to open their home just across the street, and uh, we'll be able to, uh, you can join them to go through that. But if not, then you have a liturgy at home to do with your family if you choose to do so. Uh, Secondly, or thirdly, uh, so in the past we've done CBR journals, uh, community Bible reading plans, and then they rebranded and Seeking Jesus uh, together, and uh, we just decided to make journals. So uh, we have journals for you. They're blank uh, journals. They have uh, the Northbrook logo right there. This is really fancy, uh, but they are for free back there on uh, the back table. So if you would like one of those, there's also a Bible reading plan back there that goes along with the CBR and stuff. And so uh, if you would like to have that for your Bible journaling, then that is back there and available to you. Okay, we got through that. So today, um, as you just heard, we're going to be talking about some really fun things. Uh, godlessness in the last days. Uh, and I, last week, I, I had um, the, the joy and the privilege to go and be with Redemption Story Church, uh, which is the artist formerly known as the Village Church Fort Worth. Um, and so they, uh, man, they send their, their hugs and holy kisses um, with me. I'm not going to distribute those uh, just because this is the day we live in. But, uh, but, man, it was just so good to see them and, and to be reminded of God's faithfulness to them and, and, and to us through them and through the paradox. And so um, that was a joy. But I am very, very grateful to be back because I really missed you guys. And so... Uh, again, as we get into this, we're, we, we've been in First Peter. We're going to take a break for the next two weeks and and look at Second Timothy. And um, th- this is uh, this book was written really in a time uh, where where theology and morality are are not walking hand in hand together. Uh, so Timothy is pastoring, and Paul is writing him, encouraging him in these ways, and he's saying, "Hey, but as for you," and, he, and he's calling Timothy to be different, right? He's calling Timothy to be countercultural. 
He says, but as for you, as he's encouraging him to, to stand strong in the faith and to be countercultural and to be different. And, and uh, John Stott, he, he kind of helps uh, us make the link between Timothy's circumstance and our circumstance here. Um, because as we read that, it should have sounded a bit familiar. And so John Stott says this, For our era, too, is one of theological and moral confusion, even apostasy. But as for you, Timothy is called to be different. And then he goes on to say, The church of our day urgently needs to take heart the message of the second letter of Paul to Timothy. For all around us, we see Christians and churches relaxing their grasp of the gospel, fumbling it in danger of letting it drop from their hands altogether. A new generation of young Timothys is needed who will guard the sacred deposit of the gospel, who are determined to proclaim it and are prepared to suffer for it, and who will pass it on pure and uncorrupted to the next generation, which in due time will rise up to follow them. So I, we, I think back in January, um, preached a little bit from 2 Timothy 3, and, and I used that quote back then, and man, it is, it's just still so gripping today, because it's, it's, it, it, it just really helps kind of uh, our thought process as we dive into this scripture, knowing that it, this has to do just as much with us now in this day. And like Jake talked about last week, how we engage in, in kind of proclaiming the gospel, like he was talking about last week, I encourage you, highly encourage you if you missed it to go back and listen to that. Um, it, it was so good, but, but we can see that uh, what we're talking about this morning, it, it, it really is, we're wrapped up in something much bigger, much bigger than, than just Northbrook or just our individual lives. Even as we just heard uh, the gospel, um, uh, some scripture in another language. It's so much bigger than just Northbrook. We're wrapped up in God's story of redemption and, and the expansion of his kingdom. And so even though a lot of what we're going to talk about is individual or, or does have to do with just Northbrook today, um, we'll, uh, it, it's for the sake of God's larger plan. And so I, we see a pretty big warning here uh, today for us this morning. So... Let's get into this and see what the Lord may have for us. Uh, I'm just going to read the first four, four verses again. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, so again, we, we kind of see right now, like Paul's just kind of jumping into, he's kind of getting into the nitty gritty of it right now, and, and he's listing out these things uh, that, are, that are godless things, and he's saying, hey, these are rampant right now, they're going to be rampant in the, na- in the last days, and, and so again, this should sound familiar with, uh, to us for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, are we not seeing this today? I mean, we're seeing a movement away from God and away from the holy scriptures that we believe are the word of God. And, and these things are running rampant. So that's the first reason it should sound familiar. And the second reason that should sound familiar is because it's me. That, that list is me. And, it, and it's you. And it's every human being that has ever walked the earth save for one. 
Now, Jesus has sanctified me, and I trust that he has, and I know in, in a lot of ways that he has sanctified us, to, that we're not who we used to be. Hallelujah. We're, we're not who we used to be. And some of these aren't current confessions for us, for me, but they're nonetheless true. A lover of self, man, a- ask me how many times a day I make decisions just based on me and my comfort and my pleasure. Lover of money, man, you bet I can spend some cash on some stuff. Allie always makes fun of me because I'll find something that's like 60% off. Like, how do you not buy that? You're saving so much money. And she's like, you, you spend money and say you save money, but she just doesn't understand a good deal. <laughs> I'm arrogant. And here's a, a, a very recent example. On Friday, um, this past Friday, a couple of days ago, we uh, got the Christmas stuff down and we were decorating for Christmas. And, um, and I, I get it, I, I know. I know that there are two camps of people. Um, one, nothing before Thanksgiving. And the other, you're taking down Halloween decorations and putting up Christmas, right. So just to you judge me if you want, that's fine. I'm thankful for the Lord baby Jesus and I'm gonna celebrate him. Just a friendly reminder, it costs zero dollars to just mind your business there. <laughs> so, sorry, uh, this is derailing really quick. So we're, we're putting up Christmas and in my mind, there is one place where the Christmas tree needs to go. The only place that makes sense. Anywhere else, it's not going to make sense, and it's going to be just a terrible idea. Um, Allie thought in a different way and thought that the tree needed to go in this other place. Um, And she's right. She's always right. I I know. I don't know why. But I was so conceited and so arrogant and so uh, wrapped up in my own thought process that I, I, I couldn't even begin to understand that there was another way to go about it, the better way the way that it is now. (laughs) And I'm so glad that that was because it gave me an opportunity to be sanctified. Not too often I'm arrogant. I'm in, in conversations. I, I I think that I know what everybody's thinking. Like I I have pieces of the picture, I have pieces of the, the conversation that we had or something that I heard from them or from someone. And I, I fill in the gaps. Just me. You ever do that? We, we never really fill it in with holy information, huh? Man, I assume, I assume that I know. I've abused and misused authority in relationships so much in my life. I can be disobedient and not submitting to God or, or whatever authority he's placed me under. Even when I was a kid, I was especially I was just disobedient to my parents. It talks about that right now. Now I'm not. This is not if you're a parent. This is not something to throw at your kid when they're being disobedient necessarily. You, you can walk them through that, but not like. You see what the Bible says? It's where you want to be when Jesus comes back. <laughs> not that. But I am. I'm. I'm disobedient. I'm ungrateful for what He has provided me, and I, I'm. I'm unappeasable at times because I covet what I don't have, and I'm jealous of what others do have. Envious of that. It's way too easy for me to be heartless about a situation and kind of detach from either the relationship or detach from the situation and and just make heartless decisions. I've been slanderous in the way that I've spoken 
of people to others under the banner of venting. I'm guilty of that. I've lacked self-control in ways that I've sought after worldly pleasures more than I've sought after God Almighty. I'm, I'm brutally treacherous and reckless with relationships. I'm swollen with conceit and I only think of myself. You name it, I'm guilty of it. And just like Jake said last week, I'm, I'm very good at indulging in my sin and, and therefore I wage war against my own soul in that. And there's one specific thing that I want to talk about and, and want to kind of camp out here for a moment because I think it's, I think it can be prevalent. Look at verse six. It says, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Now, I, I don't know if there's a clearer example in the Bible of consuming pornography. I, I, I don't know. I, I know in my own battle against lust and, and walking with others who fight that fight, it, it's kind of often just a popular viewpoint to kind of have this, well, it, it doesn't affect me. Uh, it, it's, it's just me. It doesn't affect anybody else. It's just me. It's not hurting anyone. But brothers and sisters, it is very, very real. And it is very much affecting us. There's a very real industry that thrives and continues to crank out material because there is a demand for it because there are those who creep into places where they ought not be through a computer screen or through a video camera. There are places where believers should not be and we're creeping into households and taking advantage of. Praying upon objectifying and again I know we can kind of go oh I'm not it, that's it's not like I'm going and acting out on that I'm not I'm not uh, involved in trafficking I'm not doing these things and yes trafficking slavery those industries are ones that prey upon and exploit but listen the industry that we're talking about is just as damaging it can be just as damaging. There's so much content out there because there's so much demand for it. And trying to justify that, that well, at least I'm not doing this, I'm just doing this. Trying to justify that and even having those in the same sentence is maddening, right? A simple fact that those things are in the same discussion is proof enough let alone Jesus' teachings that we just heard about in the Sermon on the Mount where he, he's going after the heart. He's saying, listen, you can keep this commandment and you can still carry the guilt of that sin. So whether we're on this camp or this camp, it, it's the same guilt that we are carrying. They're not the same things. I'm not arguing that. But our hearts carry that same guilt. And so the question is, are, are we going to take this warning seriously? About that and about the entire list that we've just read. Are, are we taking these things seriously? Are we going to seek help when we need it? And, and even more than that, do, do we believe that God is strong enough to heal? That he's strong enough to break whatever chains that we think are on us that he's already broken? 
He has already given freedom and salvation. I love this Ray Ortland. He says in his book, The Death of Porn, uh, he, he calls us to higher thinking and, and just dreaming bigger. He says this, your battle against porn is not about porn. It isn't about sex and it isn't about willpower. Your battle is about hope. It's about your heart believing that in spite of your many sins, God rejoices to give you a future you can scarcely dream of. You'll win your fight by believing that God's love for you is too great to be limited to what you deserve. Then you can help form a rebel movement, defiant young men who will someday dance on porn's grave, multitudes of men no longer groveling but standing tall and loving life. And all of it thanks to God. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine that? This, this is the fight that we're being called into. Can you imagine if we saw that industry topple in our lifetime because we believed that the gospel was powerful enough to do it? And we were believed that the gospel was powerful enough to heal us. Brother, sister, keep up the good fight. Keep up the good fight. I know we're tired and we are weary, but the Lord God himself is our strength. He will keep you to the end. And don't be the one in the tiredness and in the exhaustion that, that's trying to white knuckle. Don't be the one that just gives up and gives in and runs towards sin. Don't. Stand strong. The Lord God is your strength. It's, again, the same thing for anything on this list. Because, again, if we if we're to look honestly at it and at our lives, then it's easy for us to see we're guilty of the things that Paul is talking about. And we've got to do something with that, right? We can either continue to be honest about these things and we can fight against them, or we can just kind of be unaware and willingly ignorant to it. Maybe it might even become like a running joke of like, oh, I know I'm proud. I know. I know I'm self-centered. I know I'm working on it. But are we taking that seriously? Are we letting the, the scriptures read our lives? And are we seeing that they're not matching up there? See, it's way too easy for, for me, and I'm sure it's way too easy for us to come to a list like this in the Bible, as Paul often does. A lot of times he'll write, you, you once were this, but now you're this. It, it's way too easy for me to just kind of gloss over the, the bad list, right? Because what he says when, when he's like, you used to be this, praise God. Again, he is, it's absolutely true. And I often just skip over that and read to where we are now. But just because that is absolutely true, it does not excuse us from slowing down and letting the scriptures read our lives. I'm not saying we need to spend all of our time on the kind of the bad list, we can have a temptation to do that in, in kind of our reformed circles. Uh, I, I think a lot of times we can kind of be just rote and down and not rejoice in the salvation that God has given us. I'm not saying it needs to be that, but, but it's good for us to look at God's word in this way, to look at our past and see what the Lord has saved us from. So what he has given us victory from. So maybe you struggle with a certain sin on this list that God has healed you from. Hallelujah. Take that moment to rejoice. Take that moment to worship him. Don't blow past it too quickly. 
that you miss an opportunity to praise God for his grace. But, but it also gives us the opportunity to look at our present struggles, to see what he is saving us from. He's currently chiseling away the rough edges to make us better worshipers of him now, here on earth, and for eternity. He can do it, brother. He can do it, sister. Keep fighting. Because we can all look at the present and see where we aren't fighting sin, maybe even where we've given in to sin. Maybe we've inadvertently fallen into sin, willingly choosing to obey Either way, God has has given us a way to fight against that sin, and he's given us freedom through Jesus. Because when we approach the Bible, we've got to understand that the living word of God speaks to us for our good and for God's glory. Because again, if if we skip that and we remain in our sin, well, let's see where that gets us. Verse five having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Always learning, but never able, this is verse seven, always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. See, what, what Paul is saying here is, uh, the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, is that you can know your Bible cover to cover. You can know your Bible. You could win any Bible bowl you entered into. You could rattle off all 66 books of the Bible. You could write a PhD thesis on the hypostatic union. But if you're walking in unrepentant sin and not letting what you've read change you, it means jack. If it doesn't move and compel your heart towards change, if it doesn't ignite a flame in you to drag your sin into the light and to execute it, if it doesn't inspire in you a seriousness about the things of God, then all of that knowledge that you've filled into your brain receptacle is only gonna serve as a testament and a witness to the fact that you should have known better. If it doesn't compel us to anything other than coming here on Sundays, maybe going to community group midweek, but every other aspect of our lives is unaffected, then the book of James would say that that is a dead faith because that's a faith without works, and it's dead. The gospel compels us to action. And because of the Bible, we, we know that it's not works that saves us. We don't work for right standing from God. We work from our right standing from God. So we've got to learn the scriptures, we've got to believe the scriptures, and then we've got to walk the scriptures out. Otherwise, we're in danger of ending up like Jonathan Jambres. And as much as that sounds like a set of Gen Z twins, it's not. If, if they're, <laughs> they're, they're from the book of Exodus. So we don't know exactly, but, but Jewish tradition, some non-canonical books, uh, pit Jonathan Jambres as being the magicians that opposed Moses in Exodus 7. So just a refresher of the story. God sent Moses and Aaron uh, to Pharaoh to tell him what? Let my people go. Yeah, you've seen it. 
So Moses, he, he's doing these things, and he's, he's doing these signs and wonders, and, and then Pharaoh calls magicians, and, and they do the same thing, right? So Moses throws his staff on the ground, it becomes a snake, and, uh, and Jonas and Jambres are like, we can do that. They do the same thing, and it becomes a snake, and you're thinking, oh, this might be a fair fight. And then Moses' snake eats the other ones, and you're like, oh, maybe not. Uh, and so they, they, each plague and each sign that Moses uh, brings to them, the, the, the magicians are able to match some of them. They're not quite able to match some of them until it gets to the plague of the boils. And Jonathan Jobbers can't even stand up because they're covered in boils and they have boils all over their feet. See, they, they did a few things by their signs and, 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 and uh, did some plagues by their secret arts, but they couldn't do them all. It was clear their folly was clear to all that, that they were no match for Yahweh. And here we find yet another warning for us. You see, those magicians knew things. They knew how to do things. And, and at first glance, it was the same things that Moses was doing. They were doing the same things. Even think about this. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. He had he, he went around and cast out demons. He went and ministered to people. Just doing these actions and doing the same things. The appearance of godliness. Or you think about the, the imposters that use the word of God and use Christianity to further their own kingdoms. We've got to know that the Bible We've got to know the Bible so that we're not, as Ephesians 4 says, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. My wife just finished reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia to uh, my kids, and um, we man, just wept through the last battle. Um, and, and if you haven't uh, read that, it came out like 66 years ago, so... I don't, I'm going to talk about it, but uh, hopefully I won't spoil too much of it. But in, in the last battle, there, there's an ape named Shift, and, and he convinces this donkey that's not that smart to put on a lion skin and pretend to be the great lion Aslan, who is the Christ figure in Narnia. And it turns into this huge mess that leads so many people astray with Shift's own desires for his kingdom, his desires for power and control, and as many bananas as he can eat. So that's the... That's the story. A bit, a bit later in the story, there's a cat named Ginger. I'm not making this up. It's good. There's a cat named Ginger, and he kind of assumes control of the plot, and, and then he uh, convinces everyone that there's another god named Tosh that, uh, oh, well, there, Tosh and Aslan are actually together, and then pretty soon Aslan's out of the picture, and, and it's just Tosh. And he's telling everybody this. And, and in order to prove that, just when the true Narnian believers, our heroes, are about to expose the scheme for what it is, Ginger then releases part of the plan. And he tells everyone about the donkey pretending to be the lion. And then it sinks in for our heroes. And I love this quote from the book. It says, and then she understood the devilish cunning of the enemy's plan. By mixing a little truth with it, they had made their lie far stronger. Man, I mean, looks can, looks can be deceiving, right? Oh, but there's so many people at that place. There's, there's so much good work going on in that church or in this organization. Hallelujah, maybe. That's not for us to know. We, we can't just see what looks like success 
and then have our ears tickled to believe man's schemes, man's cunning, every wind of doctrine. See, a couple of dangers simply relying upon our knowledge and even just our actions without consistently examining our lives and hearts. One is that it keeps us from learning and discerning, which again, just makes us susceptible to have our ears tickled and to be led astray from the ways of God. And then two, just relying solely on our knowledge and our actions and it can lead us to living a life that if we're, we're truly not having our hearts changed, if the gospel has not truly sunk in, then those that have the appearance of godliness but deny the power will lead a life that ends with them saying, but God, didn't we do all these amazing things in your name? Didn't we? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we do these things only to be met with, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. You see, family, this isn't a game. This is not a game, what we do here on Sundays. This is life or death. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation. If you care about that, then Chances are the Lord has saved you, and he's moving you and sanctifying you. And hallelujah for that. But listen, if we, if we do we have a thirst for the Bible? Do we have a thirst to know more of the God of the universe? God Almighty. Or do we simply have, when we boil it down, just a thirst for knowledge that, that produces knowledge kind of about him, but not a deep love for him. Do we have the appearance of godliness, all while denying the power? Just putting more information into our, into our brains. Paul tells Timothy that that's folly and it's not going to get us very far. And, and what will get us far is the answer. Right? It's what we talked about at the beginning. In Hebrews, it is the surpassing grace of the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. And though it might feel impossible at times, we can do it, church. We can, by God's grace, not be these things and we can walk in, in grace, and we can walk in life, and we can walk in freedom because of what Christ has done. And because of his grace, we cannot be those things and not walk the same road that Jonathan Jombers walked. We can do it because Christ has already done it on our behalf. And so I want to offer this list to you in light of your Savior, Jesus he isn't a lover of self. He's a lover of God and of others. He didn't love money. He was a man of sorrows with no place to lay his head. He is not proud or arrogant, but he humbled himself and was found in human form. He is not abusive with his authority, but he wields it perfectly to bless. 
He was not disobedient to his parents, but he was obedient to his father to the point of death, even death on a cross. He wasn't ungrateful, but his gratitude shined as he often thanked the father. He isn't unholy, but he is holy to the power of holy to the power of holy. He isn't heartless, but he has compassion upon others who are brokenhearted. He isn't unappeasable, but he receives everyone who comes to him, even though we are unworthy. He is not slanderous, but he speaks the truth in love. He wasn't without self-control, but as a lamb before the slaughter, he didn't make a sound. He isn't brutal, but he is gentle and kind-hearted. He doesn't hate good, but he loves the goodness of the Father. He's not treacherous, but he is loyal and honest. He isn't reckless. He was there when the plan was made before the foundation of the world. He's not swollen with conceit, but he is a high and humble king. He wasn't a lover of worldly pleasures, but his pleasure was found in God Almighty. He didn't just have the appearance of godliness, but he is the image of the invisible God in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He never preys upon women, but he honors them and lifts them up. He was never led astray. He was led by his passions for the glory of God. And he doesn't just have a knowledge of the truth, but he himself is truth. So brothers and sisters, what hope we should find in our elder brother, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has not been these things so that now his righteousness and his goodness can be accredited to our account. And so listen, when you read this list, Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged that God has invited you into seeing this in the word to reading it against your life and to know that he is inviting you into more and more freedom. And we can do this because Jesus did it on our behalf. Hallelujah. Let me pray for us that the spirit may help us toward that end. Oh, Lord, I, I just confess that uh, I, I too often will, will come to this list or a list like this, and God, I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this part of your word because I don't like thinking about uh, my past mistakes. I don't like thinking about my current struggles. But Jesus, you have so much good in this for us such an opportunity to worship you and to give you glory and honor. That, Lord, in your kindness, you would have us see this and you would remind us of these things that are so rampant out there, yet you've called us to be countercultural. You've called us to not be these things, and, and you haven't just called us and left us to be these things, but you now empower us by your Spirit. Lord, you are our strength. You are our refuge. And so I thank you. I thank you that you give us the power 
that you, Lord, enable us to not be these things, to not give in to these things. But you enable us to be able to walk in freedom and to give you glory. So would you help us, God? Would you protect us, Lord, from having the appearance of godliness? God, wouldn't we, would, would we not just go through life and, and come here on Sunday and pretend like everything's fine if it's not? Would we not just go to community group and laugh and have a good time and answer some questions from information that we have? Lord, but would we, would we not just have that appearance of godliness, but would we truly walk out godliness? Would we truly walk out our faith with fear and trembling, knowing, Lord, that you have conquered. You have conquered sin and death. You've made a way for us. God, I, I confess, and, and, and I know I confess on behalf of my brothers and sisters, we hate this list where it lines up. We hate the list, and we, we especially hate where it lines up with our lives. So we confess these things to you, and where there needs to be more confession, Spirit, would you move in our hearts? Would you empower us to do that? Would we lay these things down at the feet of the King of Kings? Lord, we want to be sanctified. We want to look more like Jesus. Would you help us? It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.